0: Continuing completed classics, fulfilling failed franchises, reinvigorating reviled rehashes, it's... welcome back to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we continue to give worthy second chapters to the stories that don't have them. I am your host, who will attempt to keep today's show moving at a brisk 88 miles per hour, Paul Getz. I would normally be joined by my co-hosts, Travis and Lauren, but they are currently moving a United States-length away from me to Durham, North Carolina, and so could not be here. However, you shan't be missing them too long. More on that later. If this is the first time you're joining us, we are normally a podcast that takes movies with no sequel or a disappointing one and each take a turn coming up with our ultimate continuation until a winner is chosen. But today is a very special day in which we will instead be doing what so many people in the world have been clamoring for for years and presenting a fourth chapter to the already basically perfect Back to the Future trilogy. And as an added bonus to that, while we would normally vote amongst ourselves, this time we'll be leaving it up to you, the listeners, to choose the best sequel for us. Great, Scott! Now, why is there such a burning desire to return to this particular franchise? Well, let's ask the folks whose choice it was to take on that mission. Three members of the fast, funny, and fleet-footed St. Louis-based improv team, Recipes for Ice. Please welcome Robert Doyle. It's me! Hello, man. Adam Grun, Hello. And returning for the first time since obliterating the Christmas competition with her while you were sleeping prequel pitch, my sister, Lauren Gets.
1: Hey, Paul sucks.
0: Thanks so much for being here. <laughs> that was a great pause there. Well, Excellent.
2: <laughs> What's the key to comedy, Robert? <laughs> Ask me what the key to comedy is. Timing. <laughs>
0: Well, it's wonderful to have you guys. This is going to be a great show. So let's get right into it. Why? I don't know who it was. Why did you guys pick this as as the movie you wanted to do for the show? I
2: am in, like, I love Back to the Future. Absolutely love it. Uh, and for me, I really kind of wanted to redeem the second one. I know that the second one is has a lot of, like, exposition that has to go in, but, like, that one always has been, for me, kind of a letdown. So uh, I, I, I know, right? <laughs> I love the third one. Like Something about the third one is amazing to me. But that second one, I've always been kind of like, eh. But, I, you know, neither here nor there, I am going to add on to and create that fourth one, not redo the second
0: one. Yeah. Because well, it still needs to be interesting there. Interesting mission you're on, Adam. right. With with a twofold goal. Okay, well, so anybody else want to share any feelings about the first Back to the Future? I saw it when
3: it first came out. Me too,
0: mm,
2: <laughs> in the theaters.
0: Right.
3: Wow. So at that time, I was in high school.
0: Wow! Day. Holy cow! Yeah. You were Marty McFly at the time. I was
3: Marty McFly, total nerd. So holy. Yeah. Cow. So I. Yeah. So I. Yeah. I'm. Knowing
0: about these shows for a lot, so when you talked about doing this, i was like, "Yep, that that'll work." So you were more—if you were a nerd, you were more George McFly.
3: Yeah, I was—I was a little. I okay. would say <laughs> I wasn't quite that nerdy. I wasn't like textbook nerdy. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. hung around the nerds and they did gotcha. get decent grades, but I wasn't <laughs> building okay, things gotcha. in my basement. And,
0: but you were—you in a rock band? <laughs> 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 Yeah, I. Yeah. I Wow!
3: No. no, my family was my my brothers and sisters are in the rock band. I wanted to be a singer. Oh,
0: so nice! Oh yes, I've I've heard you got pipes, man. I I'm sure it would have. I'm sure you would have rocked. I like yeah, I do remember seeing the, the at least specifically the third one with Lauren and my dad in the theater. Mm. So I do remember at least catching that one then, and I must have seen the second one in the theater too because they came out the same year. Yeah,
1: I remember wanting a hoverboard so bad. Like, why didn't those exist yet? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Why? why? (laughs) (laughs) No. They still don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I can't believe uh, I would even have to say this, but for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, Mm -hmm. uh, it's time to get into a minute with McMaster. So let's cut to Travis having recorded it from the road on the way to North Carolina, breaking down everything that happens in the movie in one minute.
4: A minute with McMaster. Okay, we are currently about 90 minutes outside of Albuquerque. I'm going to attempt Back to the Future McMaster Minute. Marty McFly is a typical high school teenager in Southern California who is inexplicably friends with a senior citizen inventor who tells him that he has invented a time machine and put it in a DeLorean. After a successful test with the dog, some terrorists show up to kill Doc Brown because he screwed them over to get the plutonium that powers his time machine. After a little bit of chasey-shooty, Marty ends up in the time machine going back to 1955, 30 years earlier, accidentally running afoul of his parents. Skunking his own birth and possibly being trapped forever in the 50s. He meets up with a much younger Doc Brown who has to help him not only make sure that Marty is born once again, but can get him back to the future. And that is one McMaster minute. Okay, thank
1: Holy you, Trevis. My God.
4: Well done.
0: Insightful. Knocked that one out of the park. Uh, That's As right. always. Mm hmm.
2: I got to go back in time and listen to it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if only we could. If Definitely. only we could. Uh, so getting into my notes on this movie, the writers are Robert Zemeckis, who also directed it, and Bob Gale, writing partners for the following films, I Want to Hold Your Hand, 1941, Used Cars, and Trespass, in addition to Back to the Future. I don't think I've seen any Theo? of those. Mm-mm. And Zemeckis, of course, has famously directed many timeless classics, but also had a hand in writing The Polar Express and Welcome to Marwin, among others. Oh. So, oh, next.
3: And yeah. Zemeckis did Roger Rabbit, too, right? I mean, he probably
0: didn't write it, though. Yes, he directed it, yeah. Oh, and Forrest Gump, I mean, he, you know, man's got hits, for sure. Right. Um, like Traffic. Um,
1: like what's traffic,
0: that? traffic in
1: 41. Or nineteen, whatever those were. Never mind. It was. I'm stuck.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. well, it was just. Traffic is a different movie. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what?" It's... He didn't write traffic. <laughs> yeah, was yeah. Like, went
2: <laughs> off the rails when he did traffic. <laughs> it was.
0: Yeah, not as normal, family-friendly fare. <laughs> Go totally different direction <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Well, they were, so these guys were writing partners, uh, and they had conceived this movie back in 1980. It was rejected by 44 studios before being produced finally. The reason being that it wasn't raunchy enough oh. to compete with the comedies of the time period, like Porky's, and stuff oh. like that, huh. which is an interesting thing w- considering... The one thing you could say about the first one that doesn't stand the test of time very well is the weird sex B plot. The mother, the Oedipus yeah. of it all. And
1: when Biff's pretty horny and forceful.
0: Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All the uh, sex capades related to that part of the plot, um, they really seem like a product of the time, you know, specifically. but So it's interesting. And it's where like, things were at at that time.
3: I'm saying It came out the same year as, like, Breakfast Club, which is
0: completely raunchy.
2: <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs>
0: <laughs> she put lipstick
2: on with using her boobs. That's well, yeah, pretty raunchy. Right.
0: It's funny to think that without that being the case, that part of it might not have been in there, and the movie could just be timeless perfect. I mean, I don't mind some of it. Like, I don't mind him thinking his mom is pretty. <laughs> but I guess the, the line shows up pretty soon after that when he comes up with his plan and stuff.
1: Yeah, they should have had him in therapy in the future. Wow. missed his own mother.
0: <laughs> they clearly needed it.
2: That's episode four. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the inspiration for the movie came from Bob Gale looking through his father's high school yearbook and looking at a picture of his father and thinking, I don't think we would have been friends. I guess the only way to know would be to time travel and find out. And, you know, so, with the, so the parents were always very deeply baked into the, uh, to the origins of the story. And uh, what allowed Zemeckis to finally be able to make this movie was the success of Romancing the Stone, the movie he directed before this. Ah, uh, yeah.
1: Who was mm-hmm. in that? Kurt Russell?
0: Michael Douglas. <laughs> Michael Douglas. <laughs> and,
2: uh, Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Oh. Yeah. And Billy Ocean sang some of the songs for (laughs) it. Love me some Billy Ocean.
0: Alvin Silvestri also did the score. Apparently Spielberg didn't care much for what Alvin Silvestri did with Romancing the Stone. So he was anti him being involved in this one. And then when shown footage, including some of Alvin Silvestri's score, Spielberg commented, now this is the kind of music you need, not knowing
2: it was Silvestri (laughs) all along. In your face, Spielberg. Dummy. Yow! What do you know? What do you know? Do you know?
0: <laughs> uh, there's lots of fun, you know, weird Hollywood talk production stories uh, involved in the behind the scenes of this movie. But we don't have time for all of it. So I'm just going to bring up my favorite one. Chief executive producer Sidney Scheinberg suggested multiple modifications to the film, including changing the title to Spaceman from Pluto because he believed Back to the Future would not resonate with audiences. It's
2: one and of the Spaceman from Mars, wow. right?
0: <laughs> such a small thing <laughs> in the movie. Right? Literally <laughs> When the Spaceman here.
2: Yeah. Literally like 13 seconds of the film is about that spaceman. Well
0: and Separate from that, Back to the Future is just one of the greatest titles of any ever. It's so catchy and clever. It has such pizzazz and explains the plot so perfectly in four words. Anyways, so that insane note, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis didn't know what to do with that because this guy was paying for the movie. So Spielberg intervened, sending that guy a memo that read, Hi, Sid. Thanks for your most humorous memo. We all got a big (laughs) laugh out of it. Keep them coming. Uh, knowing that the guy would <laughs> never admit... It was serious. It was nice. Uh, in all fairness to that guy, just to play it even-handedly, he did also change what was originally Doc's chimp, Shemp, to a dog named Einstein.
2: <laughs> oh.
0: As well as change Professor Brown to Doc Brown. So he had some good ones in there, too.
2: Who? Which uh, one of them decided to fire uh james, no not james spader eric stoltz. eric stoltz yeah which one of them decided
0: that what a perfect transition into the actor's notes here because oh. really the oh, only oh, actor's yeah. note yeah that we really needs discussing is eric stoltz so the story goes that michael j fox was the original choice but couldn't get out of his schedule for family ties so stoltz was cast instead it took three weeks for Zemeckis to be the one to decide that he just wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so they made things work with Michael J.'s mm-hmm. schedule and uh, added $4 million to the budget. Michael J Fox was $4 million? To <laughs> well, and, to, and to reshoot scenes, oh, okay. like it just added production cost. Um, yeah. Stoltz claims that he doesn't remember the experience of shooting the movie at all. <laughs> Fair enough. He blacked yeah. it out. <laughs>
2: That's exactly yeah. what I would say, too, if I was fired from yes. Back in the Future. I don't I, remember that.
0: I mean, in all fear, uh, fairness, Derek Stoltz, he's great in other things. Um, I mean, it's just Michael J. in this movie yeah. is... It's killer. Uh, it's just one of the most likable performances yes. of all time. The perfect person for the perfect movie. And I mean, everybody loves Michael J. Fox and other stuff, too. But if he never did anything else, his legacy would be just as lasting for what... For Marty McFly. Oh, like,
2: when somebody says, what did Michael J. Fox do? I'm always like, back to the future. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: So, apparently, and I I love this gossip, Stoltz was not well-liked by, specifically, Thomas F. Wilson.
2: Oh, really?
0: Yes. Well, first of all, he was method, so he insisted that everybody on set call him Marty McFly, exclusively, which... Fine, I suppose. But a sub story to that is that Christopher Lloyd, once he was let go, said, who's Eric? And they explained who (laughs) Eric was. He goes, oh, I thought his name was Marty. (laughs) But he supposedly was too aggressive with Thomas F. Wilson in the uh, lunchroom scene and uh, came close to breaking his collarbone. Thomas F. Wilson kept insisting that he play it down and he wouldn't. So then he was looking, he, he supposedly was looking forward to hurting Eric Stoltz during the car scene, but they never got <laughs> to that part with Eric Stoltz. So he never got his revenge. Potential other actors we could have gotten John Lithgow was the studio's first choice for Doc. Um, oh. So easy to picture his great Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then M- Melora Harden, Jan Levison Gould from The Office, was the original choice for Jennifer uh, opposite Eric Stoltz. But when Eric Stoltz was let go, it was determined that she was too tall next to Michael J. Fox. And so Uh. that's what lost her the role. Then, of course, Claudia Wells came in. She retired from acting for a while uh, when her mother was diagnosed with cancer, and that's how we ended up with Elizabeth Shue in parts two Hmm. and three famously this it was not intended for there to be sequels to this movie it was always intended by the writers to just be a one and done and have that tease at the end just be like a fun last little joke when it was a huge hit they came back to do the other ones and they both said that if they had the one thing they would do different if they had known they were going to do sequels is not put jennifer in the car at the end of the first one because they it resulted in her, deciding yeah. that there was nothing else they could do but knock her out <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> Which I ultimately think is unfair. I mean, could have come well, up with something
3: for her to do. See had herself in, or the, something. in the second one. See her future self. Yeah. And freak out and then pass out.
0: <laughs> now that we've transitioned so seamlessly into the second one... We're gonna have to cut away to another Minute with McMaster. A Minute
4: with McMaster! Back to the Future 2 picks up right where Back to the Future 1 left off, except now Jennifer is played by a different lady. All three of them go into the future to help Marty and Jennifer's kids. Jennifer is immediately rendered unconscious after Marty fixes what was going to happen between his son and Griff's grandson. Biff's grandson, Griff, he goes and he buys a sports almanac from his past perspective to win at gambling and make a whole bunch of money. Doc disapproves, throws it away. Old Biff overhears, steals it, follows them, takes the time machine, gives it to Biff in the past, alters the timeline. Everything in 1985 is hellish. He and Doc, Marty and Doc, have to go back into 1955 to get the sports almanac from Biff before he can use it and save history once again. After they do it, right at the climax, as soon as Marty burns it, lightning strikes the DeLorean, and it vanishes. Then, uh, Federal Express- Western Union shows up with a letter for Marty from Doc from 1885, and Marty has to go find 1955 Doc to save young Doc. Yes, Paul, I know that's over a minute. All right, there it was. Very good. Yeah, huh. He sounded a little sad. Yeah.
0: Well, this is an intense one. Perhaps intense more for Adam than anyone because he has <laughs> such a bee in his bonnet about it. It's, so It's not a hatred. It's not a hatred. And I will watch it. What specifically are your issues?
2: I, I think that for me, this it wasn't the same feeling as the others. Uh, mm. And I don't know what it is about that. But whenever I watch a movie, I always get like a feeling. And I think that... It's because I really like when they go back in time and, and, and go through that type of stuff rather than going forward in time. So I think for me, and, and I mean, I get it. I understand why they did it. But for me, I really enjoy seeing, you know, that fish out of water in mm-hmm. the, the 50s versus yeah. seeing somebody just, you know, trying to get through the future. Well, they do also go back, you, you are correct, they do, and those yeah. are the kind those are the scenes that I like, like, I <laughs> like But when he's in the future and, and looking at his family in the future, I'm just like, eh. I, okay. I don't know it, it's that it's you know I, I enjoy watching them go back
3: and, and the only view of the future is is dark. Mm-hmm. like we never go back to a future that's light and happy right and stuff,
0: you know? mm. Well, are you referring to the future or the like? Uh, the hellscape, yeah. nineteen eighty-five. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Alternate
3: That's timeline. true. That's right. They come back to nineteen eighty-five, and that's the Hellscape. You're
0: right. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah. I mean, the future is not no. right. He like gets fired in the future, and right. right. Yeah, and his dad. Know, hydrate level four.
1: Yeah, four. and his dad's upside down. Like, yeah. What the hell?
0: <laughs>
1: right. He
2: threw right. back. He yeah. threw out his back.
0: Well, and. Are, I assume you guys are aware of the reason why that is? No. Because no? ah. Crispin Glover couldn't do it. <laughs> right, because Crispin. Crispin Glover refused to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Crispin Glover, famously uh, a bit of a suffering artist, shall we yeah. say, feuded a lot, apparently, with writer Bob Gale. Contract negotiations couldn't happen between them so he refused to do the sequels so they turned grandpa upside down and put him in makeup and then used of course the footage from the first one which crisp and glover then later sued them over did he uh, win he did win. well it was settled he out of did? court but wow. he won yeah i mean he he was paid well,
2: I guess, yeah they used his likeness or whatever yeah <laughs>
0: yeah which uh it's i mean i know so well supposedly Bob Gale also didn't like his performance in the first one. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think he brings yeah. something unique and special. Especially the laugh. Sure.
2: You keep your damn hands off
0: her. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> what is with the mm-hmm. guy in the future who's like, comes up and he's like, donate to the clock tower. I'm like, what? it looks like somebody in makeup that they like put prosthetics on their face. And why didn't they uh-huh. just use a real
2: old person? Wasn't that well, the guy
0: that's the voice it, of Roger Rabbit? Oh, really? That actor? Maybe. I, I think
2: that no, it was a lot. I could um, be wrong. I,
0: mean, I, I guess it might have just been a, then a, we're friends. That's how do what, I get yeah. you in the movie? I want to wear a bunch of makeup, too. How do I, how do we make that happen? Right.
3: Speaking <laughs> of Roger Rabbit, it's funny because there was a point where it looks like they go through the same tunnel that they go through toon, to, to Toontown.
0: Oh, Yeah yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) sorry i know a lot about (laughs) who framed roger rabbit
1: it's a good one
2: one. yeah it's got
3: john oh yeah it's got a doc christopher lloyd
0: oh yeah and another great role man what an actor he's awesome national treasure and for his age still looking pretty good yep still pretty spry all right. Well, how do you? How do the rest of you I feel about two? What's? What are your rankings on the on these three? I mean,
3: yeah, I think I think it's probably hmm. one, three, two for me. One, three, two.
0: yeah, same yeah. for Robert. Yeah, but I feel like two is sort of necessary. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah, so. I would say generally speaking, I think the accepted feeling on these movies is that the, the ranking is one, two, three. Three has a, a some sort of a. A stink on it from somewhere uh, I believe, I mean in comparison I think it is a beloved trilogy But I believe that the third is the uh, The most regaled And transitioning into Back to the Future 3 But real quick We gotta shoot over to Travis we one more him. time For another minute with me. <laughs> yeah!
4: We love these uh, Hi Paul, I am in my hometown My childhood hometown of Wichita, Kansas And this is gonna be a very special McMaster Minute Back to the Future 3 style go back to the future three picks up right where back to the future two leaves off marty runs into town meets up with 1955 doc right after he is sent back to the future one marty back to the future and he tells him the whole story of the second movie doc doesn't believe him but then he does and then they use the delorean that 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 doc left in the past in 1885 out in a cave they rebuild it to send Marty into the future, but they discover that Doc dies eight days after he sent the letter to Marty from Back to the Future 2, so they have to go back to the past, 1885, so we can have a cowboy adventure with Biff Tannen's like, great-great-grandfather, Buford Tannen, amazing. Uh, and then he f- Doc falls in love with Mary Steenburgen, a local teacher, after he saves her life, changing the timeline drastically. So they have to get away from Buford, figure out how to make the time machine work in 1885, and figure out what to do with Doc's love life. And then they do. They do it. Am I over the minute, Paul? Did I miss anything? Uh, Something about the... Remember the train at the end? People say it's stupid. I don't think it is. It's 32 degrees. Jesus Christ. Wow. There it was. That was a good one.
0: The final chapter. It's it's like I was there. I like how he talked about the plot. (laughs) This guy. Uh, It doesn't get any better than that. I definitely, uh, you know, the first time seeing the third one felt like I remembered liking it the least. I think it's because it's the most different in the sense that the second one literally goes over the first one again. So, like, the third one is when you... It's also when you get the least of Doc and Marty on an adventure together. Because it's more of a personal story for Doc. Uh, and Marty's intention is almost se- is separate you know, or his goal is separate from doc. So I, I don't know. I definitely don't think I put that together at the time, but I definitely remember it being my least favorite. And now I have grown. Yeah, I
3: would probably agree that when it first it. came out, when I first saw it, I did just because you're kind of going expecting yeah. it to be more of the same. And there's not that, that novelty of them going back to the same scenes and doing the same scenes again, like they do in two. But I think when, you know, the love story of it all is kind of, you know, as you get older, is kind of the, The appeal of it,
0: yeah. I also specifically remember both Lauren and I being very annoyed with Mary Steenburgen back in (laughs) the day and saying to each other,
1: "Damn it!"
0: Like you know, back and forth. (laughs) But yeah, I've and I don't know if it's I. I have since grown so fond of her in general that now I watch it and I go, "Oh, she's a pro!" Right, sparkling.
1: I Really enjoyed her this time around. I agree. Like, I think um, it it just all flows together so well as one big thing. I enjoyed the third one as my second favorite now, as of last night. When I saw it in the theaters, I was like, eh, the West. All right. Everybody probably stinks.
0: (laughs) Too old. old. Definitely, they probably stink. Look at Buford Tannen. That guy stinks. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You, you what know. was
1: his name, Tiff, in this one? Mad
0: uh,
2: still bad? Mad Dog,
0: Buford, Buford, Mad Dog, Tannen. Oh, that's
2: right. Is the third. <laughs> I just watched it. <laughs> how did you. Tiff? That's the name he came up with? <laughs> what I thought was interesting
3: was how they had his like great grandparents played by Leah Thompson. Yeah. And my mm-hmm. Michael Michael Michael
0: yeah. Like, so then, <laughs> his wife don't now. even don't even. <laughs> that was a, uh, a reaction to Crispin Glover refusing to do. He was always meant to be Sheamus McFly, and then when he refused to do the movie, they decided. I guess, I mean, like they had already plugged Michael J. In as his own daughter, right? So it's right. like,
2: <laughs> no, they well, didn't just give you a proper hat.
0: Also, Crispin Glover, well, George McFly being dead in the alternate nineteen eighty five was also a result of lack of Crispin. But I think that works. I mean, really makes that, I mean, everything it's, that is such a dark timeline That is, it is like Biff's. Let's just talk about Biff for a second. I mean, we can talk about all Tannins, but first of all, Thomas L. Wilson's performances, stuff of legend. Yes. It gets to do so many, and you'll definitely see this reflected in my pitch where my ideas for another chapter of this came from is that at the end of Back to the Future 3, it's already weird enough that at the end of Back to the Future 1, this guy that essentially tried to uh, assault Lorraine is still in their lives. Waxing, waxing their, their, their cars. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then by the end of 3, the very last mm-hmm. time you see him is they're all gathered around together. Marty's getting in his truck and he goes, nice hat, Marty! <laughs> and <laughs> Marty goes, thanks, Biff. Like, <laughs> But, and I, which I love the feelings in that scene are so specific of like Marty having to face this man who he's faced in multiple time periods and has always been a thorn in his side. He's still in his life. It, it's insane that Biff's still around, but also I just, it's an, it's such an interesting character choice to take this person who's so angry and selfish and evil and aggressive. And then we, when you clip his wings, when you, when you, when you pop him one, He's just a uh, sack. Dude. I mean, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what what yeah. the best description is for him. Like, but as they show at the at beginning of the second movie, as soon as he sees the time machine fly away, he goes, "What the hell's going on here?" And it shows that always teeming under <laughs> the surface of this lily flower right. is. Evil, horrible Biff Tannen, who at any opportunity will will kill you.
3: <laughs> I think he's a completely sympathetic character.
0: <laughs> and, and,
3: and I'll argue this. When he's he leaving his house in the 50s, his grandmother sounds like a total B. Yes. yes. <laughs> I with you, well, I'm true. guessing he's sort of a victim of his upbringing. Well, and and he's definitely, you definitely definitely
0: get the sense that he is insecure for feeling stupid. Right. He 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 is a stupid person, and and therefore is uh you know is as a defense mechanism. But he just loves Leah Thompson's
3: away. character so
0: very very much. So oh much. <laughs> but I'm very very jazzed and energized and curious to see where you guys took your sequel pitches. So. We'll start rolling towards them. Before that, I wanted to say, is there anything anybody else wants to say about these three movies?
1: Um, My thought was how the Jones Manure logo stays consistent throughout all of time. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, you know.
0: A timeless business.
1: Yeah, at first I thought, would it look the same? And then I was like, you know what? Some of the businesses that are start back then have the same. Oh, tried and true Jones Manure since 1885.
0: Well, you're always going to need your manure hold, I manure guess. Truck. Is that a thing? Does anybody know? I think it, I mean, <laughs> manure's got to go somewhere. Right. So why sure. not in
3: an open truck?
0: <laughs> hey. I mean, maybe, I guess you don't see it in the 80s. They're not around that we see past the 50s, at least not in that same business model. The guy who runs that place got a call, hey, we lost a truckload. This guy ran his car into the back of the truck (laughs) and a couple days later got another call. That said, same guy! Lost it on the loan! <laughs> and the first time in the
3: 50s, the guy wanted to charge him $300 yeah. for it. In the 50s?
0: Yeah. That's right. A year That's time. a year's salary. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor Biff. Mm-hmm. We really yeah. are. You were right, <laughs> Robert. Victim. It's, just,
3: it's all in the editing. <laughs> right.
0: Well, famously, and I mean, it, 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 just like everything else related to him becomes less of a fun fact all the time, but the 85 Biff character was based on Donald Trump at the time. What?
3: Well, I think uh, that's... Yeah, it that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know. it oh, fits. It fits. It's, his perfect world is burning to the ground. Yeah.
2: Their timelines <laughs> are parallel.
0: Okay, so real quick, other sequels. To these movies that do exist. Of course, immediately following the trilogy, there was an animated series. Yes. 91 to 92. Featured Doc's whole family, his sons, Jules and Vern, Clara, Einstein. There was The Time Train and The DeLorean. Uh, also, b- there were Biffs, Biffs in the past. So, you know, a-, a true sequel in many ways. That, of course, sparked its own comic book series, of course, sort of like The Simpsons. Speaking of The Simpsons, The Simpsons replaced the Back to the Future theme park ride, a staple at Universal Studios. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was so fun,
1: too. Yeah.
0: The Simpsons ride is great. I am a fan. Oh, uh, right. I wish there was a world where we could have both.
3: If we could just go back in time. and
0: Ride the ride. There is YouTube. That's right. But also... There is Travis McMaster. Once again, we're going to cut out away to Travis McMaster with one of his classic segments of Travis Describes a Theme Park Ride. (laughs) Travis Describes a Theme Park Ride. Travis Describes a Theme Park Ride.
4: Universal Studios Orlando. Devotees will remember I went to school right across the street. It was not uncommon to just go to Universal for the day instead of school. Back to the Future was one of those must rides. Every single time you rode Back to the Future, it has been replaced by The Simpsons since, which is fine, but it's no Back to the Future. So, the way the ride worked, the theming of the ride was it was Doc Brown's Future Institute of Technology. of Technology. uh, canonically, I guess it would have taken place sometime after Back to the Future 3. Doc Brown had started some sort of research lab based on time travel, Institute founder and chief inventive where he would just kind of like bop around like the adventures of young Indiana Jones, Doc, on the, march. the famous historical scientists and stuff. In the queue line, there would be TVs everywhere, and on the videos that they would play to keep you amused, there would be Doc Brown meeting like Albert Einstein or whatever. Thomas Master of electricity, the inventor of the light bulb meets the inventor of the flux capacitor. What a <clears throat> I guess he figured he's fixed the timeline enough at this point. He's pretty good at it. He'll just do what he wants. The line was almost always very, very long because it's an excellent ride. So I'm very familiar with these videos. I'm sure you can find them on YouTube. I encourage you all to look. After you wait through the outside line, you're taken inside the building where you are grouped into a corral, a pen six people each, and there is more waiting. This room is very nice, it's very air-conditioned. There are hoverboards and cool movie props and technology all over. A lot of sound effects that I can still hear very clearly right now that I won't replicate because it will sound weird. You watch another little, like, video about the theming of the ride, which is the Biff, 1955 Biff has found his way into the Institute. He stowed away on some other time travel excursion the institute put on in the well, 50s teams was an back in he must have and he is here to wreak havoc and cause trouble which he does by stealing a time vehicle well,
2: help me find doc brown's time machine you know the flying delorean
4: What's
2: the matter,
3: you chicken? And
4: bouncing out to Lord knows which. Seems
2: that Biff is loose, somewhere in time.
4: So instead of our normal scheduled time travel event, whatever that was meant to be, we are given a brief safety video by two crash test dummies. And we are recruited by Doc Brown to get into the time vehicle. The
2: new experimental eight-passenger time travel vehicle.
4: Find Biff and bump him. Bump him! Yes, that's right. Bump him. Bump him. Bump him. Bump which him. should send both of our vehicles Back to the present, our pre-recorded location. Little bit of trivia. The woman who gives you, like, the corporate, this is what's going down.
1: We are currently
3: experiencing a systems failure. Future Institute technology,
4: technology video is the same woman who played in Griff's gang in Back to the Future 2. She had the red contact lens and the claw on her finger.
1: Strong, fly. You got no stroke?
4: It's her. So there's a little bit of consistency as well. They spared no expense. Once you enter the time vehicle, like I said, seat six, try to sit in the front row. That's where all the goodies are. The vehicle is then raised out of the room, flying. And you are in a huge amphitheater with like 30 other DeLoreans. And there's a giant curved screen in front of you. From here, you blast off into uh was it Hill Valley in the future? I know you go to you go back to dinosaur times, get eaten by a dinosaur. It's a tyrannosaurus! We've been swallowing you! Uh go to the ice age. Looks like we're headed a million years back in time. and That's still valley below us in the ice! Space. Burned alive in a volcano. It's really impressive. After you bump Biff, you both go back to, I guess, the future, the past, at some indeterminate point in the timeline, back to the future Institute Technology. Back to the institute. Biff is arrested by scientists? Thanks, Doc
2: Brown. You saved my life.
4: And Doc Brown tells you you need to get out of here before you run into your past selves who are gumming into the time vehicle to do what you Both just did.
1: time travelers, and remember the future is what you make
4: it. Then you exit through the gift shop. If you're smart like me, you bought a Hill Valley class ring. And if you're kind of dumb like me, you subsequently lost that ring. And that is the Back to the Future, the ride.
2: still bye-bye!
4: There it was! That was the...
0: That was that. Balderdash. boy.
2: He definitely described a theme park ride.
0: Oh boy, Robert had some strong anti-feeling. He about that was yeah, ready to walk out. Really.
2: <laughs> I mean, dinosaurs? Really?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, he didn't design the ride. but I don't, You're right. Yeah. You're right. <clears throat> After that, in 2015, because of all the hoopla rigmarole around the date that they traveled to the future in, you know, it became a big thing where it's like, oh, we're there. We're at that future, and the world's not like that. So Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis, and Christopher Lloyd decided it'd be fun to shoot a short called Doc Brown Saves the World. Uh, he plays Dr. Emmett Brown once again, and he time travels to save the world from um, a nuclear disaster, and as a result, changes the future so it doesn't resemble what's in the movie and it instead is reality supposedly one of the reasons Robert Zemeckis didn't like the future angle in Back to the Future Part 2 as well is because he doesn't like when depictions of the future are inaccurate so I Mm -hmm. guess it really stuck in his craw and he needed to explain (laughs) I mean it
2: doesn't age well (laughs) (laughs) however those lace-up Nikes are pretty
0: epic I like the self-drying jacket yeah. Yeah. Um, and whatever uh, facial treatment Doc has gotten. Yeah. And
2: the Max Headroom taking your order at the 90s cafe. cafe
0: yeah. 80s.
2: <laughs> which was Crispin Glover. No. How did that happen? Wasn't it? No. Um, um, that was um, the Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was him.
0: Right. That's true. Oh, uh, wow. Yes, that's right. Which is also in that cafe. But the Max Headroom was Matt Frewer. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. Speaking of Ronald Reagan, he was offered the part of the mayor in Back yeah. to the Future Part three. Uh and he declined, of course, but um but he is a huge fan of being mentioned in the first one. And since he was the president at the time, that joke had to be approved by him before it could be a part. Oh, of really? One.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Ronald Reagan, the actor? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry i'm, I'm just quoting <laughs>
0: <laughs> never two. It. No. it's always gonna be one or three i'm always gonna <laughs> quote
2: uh, except for hydrate level four i i like that you pulled that one out of there paul that was yeah. a good one yeah.
0: i love um Leah Thompson's Lorraine in the future having like a, she's almost got like a Wisconsin accent. Regular voice. The makeup was turned. Okay, so then there was Back to the Future, the video game. For this game, Bob Gale, one of the original writers, wrote the story. Christopher Lloyd returned to voice Doc Brown. A young voice actor who could do a perfect Michael J. Fox impression did Marty. Uh, And it followed Marty traveling to 1931 to save a stranded Doc. He gets entangled in a gangster storyline, classic gangster storyline, involving a gangster named Kid Tannen. And as a result of this, the younger Doc, who was alive at that time, falls in love with a rule-obsessed woman. And when Marty returns to 1985, he finds a world completely under her rule with the aid of Doc's technology, And then the rest of the story is Marty bringing Doc back around to the good side. So it's a pretty, it's a trip, not a bad little story there.
2: And there was a video game on the original Nintendo.
0: Oh, really? How'd that go? I mean, was it fun?
2: It did not go well. It was incredibly (laughs) difficult, incredibly (laughs) difficult.
0: And then lastly, there were comic books also co-written by Bob Gale in 2016 that addressed all of the following things. How Marty met Doc. How Marty met Jennifer. Old man Biff's adventures in the DeLorean. The alternate 1985 Biff's rise to power. The building of the time train. Doc's family's adventures in the time train. Why Uncle Joey went to jail. uh, (laughs) And then... (laughs) Yes. uh, Adventures that take place after Back to the Future Part 3 that involve a rival scientist of Doc's, who eventually becomes an ally and joins in the time-traveling misadventures. Uh, I read all of these in preparation for this so that I, for inspiration, but also to try to avoid doing some of the same things. They're okay. I wouldn't recommend it overall. There's some interesting stuff in there. The most interesting thing, which I am stealing for my pitch, is that They have to come up with different ways for them to travel through time. Uh, Like Doc has to get to the future before he's built the time train. And so he comes up with elaborate ways of getting to 88 miles per hour. He builds like a steam powered thing that he knows will fall apart after one use. So then his backup plan when he gets to the future is to build himself like a, a device that allows him to skydive. And when he hits 88 miles per hour falling from the sky, he will time travel and then parachute into the new reality. So there's like, oh, there's cool stuff like that. They get, they get into some really neat areas of, of the sci-fi stuff. But uh, really what's not there on the page is the humor. You mm. know? Um, whew, uh, so rolling into the questions that prelude the pitches, should this trilogy? have a fourth chapter
2: i personally would say no because because of the era in which these films were made the time you know Mm uh before all of the new fancy um effects that were made and, and a lot of the like the nostalgic practical effects that were used you know i love all of that i love what makes that trilogy it You know, and I think that if you do a movie in it now, or if you do it now with the technology that's out there, sure, it's going to look phenomenal, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to really think we're time traveling. Right. But I think that that kind of takes away some of the the fun. This is one of those where it's, you can leave it alone. You know, like the original Star Wars trilogy. You can leave, you know, you didn't have to make any more other than those three.
0: Right. Well, and to your point, Adam, like, there would just be stuff that wouldn't work as well um, because of the times. Like, but like, it wouldn't be as fun to see Michael J. Fox playing himself and playing his own kids, and then them doing things like aging him down. You know, with CGI. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yep. It just wouldn't look right. It wouldn't even look fun. It would almost like it would. If they were to do it again, I would almost rather cast different people as his kids rather than try to do that fun. Goofy. Mm-hmm. Mom, is that you? <laughs> here, here. Wow. Yeah.
3: I think you just have to have a new storyline with new, maybe something tied mm-hmm. to the DeLorean, you know, DeLorean somehow or something like that, or maybe get a doc cameo in there, but then you'd have to have something else. Like maybe it's a, a, a girl or what, you know, a young woman. Sure. Kind oh, of good. like
2: what they're doing with the mm-hmm. new Ghostbusters. Right. Right. Yeah, or right. do something like that where Next it kind of pays, it pays homage yeah. to the older film, but is a completely different story. I would be, yeah, I'd be all right with that.
0: And then even if, even in that regard, if it's not good, it's not so much tainting what already right. Doing? It's not
2: soiling the first three.
0: Yeah,
1: I think it should be left alone. I agree with Adam and, and you, because um, it's just it just wraps itself up so perfectly and leaves it to the imagination for you. Um, and it just ties together so damn well that with all the time between, it's going to be weird. Like, you Even know, Doc's like
2: quote at the end, it's such the perfect, like quote to end that, you know, for doc to then leave. Oh, what is it?
0: It's uh just like oh, perfect you mean, for that movie. When she hands it the things like it, but it's a race. He's like, of course it's a race. The future hasn't been written. The, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I will. I do have a little, a little bit of a thing about Doc having so many times throughout the movie warned Marty and everybody else of the consequences of messing with time, and it gets them in all kinds of trouble. And then at the end of the movie, him and his family <laughs> yeah. are just vacationing through time, human beings. yeah, willy nilly. Almost an escalation of the same thing that happens at the end of the first one when Marty's like, "I thought you said you." You couldn't read the letter. Like, what about all that talk about messing with Savages? Ah, I figured what the hell? (laughs) Where it's just like Oh, okay, what the hell? Gotcha. No, you know, no worries.
3: Shifting morals. (laughs) But
0: of a madman. I meant you (laughs) couldn't look. I I'm great. I I made a time
2: machine. You're gonna matter. I I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Do whatever I want.
1: Oh, I said, remember, in the 50s, he was trying to read minds. So he doesn't give a blank about
0: morals. In a 2015 interview, Robert Zemeckis uh, maintained that no re- reboot or remake of the film will ever be authorized while he's alive. Or Bob Gale's alive.
2: Well, but, uh, if reboots, but until okay. they listen to this yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> hey. That's right. Your future and, uh, hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future's whatever you make of it, so make it a
0: good one. Aww. That's that is one. nice. It's a good yeah. That sounds like a sound mind worth messing right? with space and time. <laughs> yeah. Right. And now uh, I'm and that's What's the future? That's right.
2: <laughs> get, in the, get in the train, Jules and I. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 Extra fuel for anybody if they can squeeze this into their pitch, since. Zemeckis, Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, they're all listening to this. If you want to get Greenlit by Christopher Lloyd, he has stated that he's always wanted to do one more in which they time travel back to ancient Rome. Darn it. Yeah. Oh, I don't <laughs> no, I know. It just doesn't fit in yours. No, I
2: no, it really doesn't fit in mine at all. <laughs> oh, <okay.
0: No>. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. At all. Maybe for a second. Last question before we go hog wild with the pitches anything that anybody could think of to be gained from a
1: prequel? I'd like to see how Doc and Marty got to know each other. Like, cause, cause, and there's, cause they keep like hinting that Marty's kind of bad at school. Like he's tardy all the time. Like, I just wonder like, would he, like you like skateboarded by one day and the house was blowing stuff out of it or what, like, how did that happen?
2: What parent is going to be letting their, you know, 16 year old kid hang out with this like, Old man that everyone in the town thinks is a little crazy. And, you
3: know, yeah, when I was younger, I hung out with a lot of old men. I
2: bet you did.
3: <laughs> in the late <laughs> 70s, early 80s. Yeah, get in here and
2: let's play Pachisi. Okay. <laughs> All, right.
0: All right, Mr. Gistelson. Do they ever specifically say if Marty's parents know he's hanging out with Doc? Because I know the principal of the school knows. Yeah, I don't
2: know. I don't think they ever bring that up, do they? I'd like to see how Doc. Found, uh, plutonium or uranium? Like what?
0: Oh, how the the, the how, like, how, how like, he right, yeah. like how
2: do you like terrorists? Right, like how do how does that come about? Like, <laughs> well, there's the internet doesn't exist, so it's not like I can go on there and be like, how do I get plutonium? <laughs> like you can't do that. Like, who does he know that can get him in touch Back with? Then he had to look in a telephone right? book, right? Well, he <laughs> terrorist, terrorist, terrorist.
0: Well, he. He said that they hired him to build them a, a bomb. So was he like a bomb, and that's place? how he like st- stole it? But right, but how do they find? Like, well, I guess terrorists have a network. I feel like you get the impression that he is a uh, he's thought of as like a mad scientist in the town. So I guess word <laughs> travels to terrorists, and then they. <laughs> well, that makes
2: sense. Okay, never mind. I don't want. To, I don't need to see it then. This guy's it mad, all makes but, uh, sense. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I want to mm-hmm. see
3: him build like the yeah. uh, models of the, the makeups of like you know how they're gonna get the car to jump. You know, like <laughs> oh yeah,
2: um,
0: yeah. <laughs> You could just be like,
2: he, he is, is a girl. very good model maker.
0: You, and you want it in real time, just watching the whole process. The-
2: <laughs> Carving, whittling out the DeLorean of that log from Back to the Future 3. You
3: should put it on while there's a party going on. You could have that plane. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Where is he? Is he, where, where is he? Has, <laughs> he has he built <laughs> the <a>
2: mine <minecraft> <laughs> He just made the clock tower. <laughs>
0: All right, let's get pitching, everybody, shall we? Is, is anybody itching to go first?
2: Lauren is. She's got a whole sketchbook written <laughs> of, yeah, like quotes and everything.
0: I have a Awesome! That sounds like me. Sounds like my sister. Yeah. All right. Wait, you want to go first, Lauren?
1: Yeah. Buckle up, guys. That's the door closing to the DeLorean. <laughs>
4: You know what I do in
1: those situations, mine is called Back to the Future for the Time is Now.
0: Ooh. and hmm.
1: it starts out in the old west. And uh, Vern, because we know uh, Doc's sons Jules and Vern, uh, so Vern is very into being a musician, like he plays the guitar around town and he plays at like saloons and stuff. And, like, it'll, like, and it would show him playing at these saloons and people just throwing bottles and fighting. And he's, like, trying to be heard and nothing's happening. So, um, you know, Vern's, like, lives with Doc and Clara and Jules. And uh, Doc, who, you know, seemingly you would think would be supportive of any dream any of his sons had, he innocently gives more support to science. He, you know, he loves science. So Doc and Jules, Jules loves science. And so he and Doc love making experiments. Yes. Did you raise your hand? That's
0: all right. A couple quick questions. How old are Jules and Vern? Mm, good oh. question.
1: Um, yeah. Jules is the older one. He's like in his 20s. And Vern. Okay. And-
0: They're young men.
1: Yeah. Like fresh into college okay. age. Like. Nineteen, eighteen.
0: Okay. So they've they've already had their adventures on the time train. And exactly. they've settled back in the old way. Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Jules and Doc love making experiments and they're working on some together, like in the house. And you know, like Vern comes home, he's like, Oh god. And like um it's there's gonna be like a big town fair and Jules and Doc are getting ready for the booth. They have a booth there. And, um, you know, they come in Doc's like, "Oh, Vern, join us. We're we making, you know, and you don't we don't you don't find out what it is yet. Vern just goes in his room, plays the guitar for a while. And so he talks to Doc about how he wants Doc to let him go to the future to 2018 to be able to like play music and get a music career, maybe go to college for music, because um, he knows that that would be a better time than the old West to, like, succeed at that. Uh Also, side note, Marty is a music producer now. Sure. He's like, Doc, like, your old yeah, Marty could help. And so, you know, Doc's, so he asked Dad, he's like, Dad, just let me, like, let let me go back to, or to the, back to the future. Let me go forward to 2018 and, like, They've probably been
0: there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, so, Doc, I wrote a line, but this is, like, Anyway, could be worked on. But Doc's like, no, Vern, you know I've retired from travel. And we've already taken you all over the world in time. We almost forgot George at the World's Fair. Like, talks about, like, how he doesn't want to do that anymore. It messes with time. Blah, blah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and he's like, besides, you know, it's beautiful here. The, the slow, breezy nights. <laughs> I love that uh-huh. line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the future... <laughs> so the future moves so much faster and you miss out on the wonderful things like here. Okay, so
0: uh-huh.
1: then Vern's like, you know, dad, it's my dream and I don't fit in this family. It's all about science and life. You know, then Doc's like, that's not true. I love you, Vern. And then he's like, not as much as science. And then he, um, mm-hmm. that's... Cut scene. So then you get to the fair, and uh, you get to the fair, and Doc and Jules have their booth, and it's a huge hit. Okay, so Jules is like an apothecary, and he makes like toothpaste, like morsels, and soap. And the reason I thought of this is because, as I earlier mentioned, in the West they would have terrible. <laughs> So, I wanted a reason for me to picture Doc smelling okay and, like, Clara and, got like, it. his... So, he had, like, a happier life. Like, I didn't want stinky browns. So, um... Right. Anyway. So, like, that... But he's, like, made, like, these cool, like, toothpaste things that dissolve in your mouth. And he's got, like, herbs and stuff. And then Doc made a machine, two machines. One brews beer and one makes soda for the kids. So they're, like, a Aww. big kid. So nice. they're loving it. So meanwhile, during the fair, you know, Vern sneaks into the old barn, whips the cloth off of the train time machine, um, and then he's, you know, he's, like, jumps in, sets it to 2018 Hill Valley, California, because Doc only had Marty's old address. He doesn't have, you know, where he could live now. And so... Sure. He wants to go see Marty, you know, obviously to talk about like talking his dad, Uncle Marty talking because they've seen Marty since they traveled around. Talking his dad into letting him come to that time and also just seeing if he could help him with the music bids. So then you like cut back to the fair and Doc and Jules are smiling and um, counting their profits. And Clara's making a speech. <laughs> She's the town marshal now.
0: Okay.
1: Marshal.
2: Um, like so it.
1: all of a sudden, you know, Doc looks up. Changing history for the, the Look
2: at that, right at the, yep.
1: Oh, wait, wait till I get back to the end. And it's gonna be a moment of glass ceiling shattering, folks. <laughs> so, all right. So then, you know, Doc looks off, and then there's the train hovering above his house. Great, Scott! And then he's like, you know, how? Oh, oh, no, it's Vern! Vern! Must be on there, or whatever. And then it shoots away. So then, um... Marty, in the future, um, he happens to be visiting his parents at their house. He and Jennifer, though, have a house in Hill Valley, and Jennifer's running for senator of um, California. Side note. Mm -hmm. But Marty um, is visiting his parents, and Marty has two children, Emmy, named after Emmett and George. And Emmy's like a very artsy graphic designer skater kid, and George is like a very plays by the rules lawyer. And they're the same ages as Doc's kids. So like starts with Marty complaining about how his, the record business isn't what it, he wants it to be because he'd like to have some new music. And um, so then you see the TV come on and it's like this pop star that Marty's representing and she's an asshole and like horrible music. Right. Or it could be a he either or or a group or whatnot. And they their song sucks. And like it's real poppy and like lame. Then enter his daughter Emmy, who comes in to tell like Marty about her newest project. And he and um she is in graphic into graphic design, and she's a skateboarder. So she's kind of like Marty when he was young, but with like an artistic side. And um she mm-hmm. comes in to tell Jennifer and Marty about it, and then they just start like telling her like I I don't think you've been going to class, you know. We think, like, community college isn't good enough for you. You could have gotten to a university, blah, blah, blah. So she's, like, got some angst as well. So, um, you know, Marty's in. So then she, like, leaves the house and skateboards off. And Marty's in the front yard. And then, boom, the train appears, right? And then there's Vern, you know, gets out of the train and starts to, you know, tell Marty about, like, what he wants. And Marty's like, no, your dad knows, your father knows best, like. You don't want to mess with time. Like, look, you know, kid, like, go home. He's like, but your life's so great. You know, you have the girl, your dreams, the job of your dreams. And, like, we've kind of learned, like, Marty doesn't have the job of his dreams right now. Vern Mm -hmm. just gets mad at Marty. Oh, fine, you know, whatever, and takes off in his time machine. Doesn't realize that Emmy got in the train as well. Oh. So then they Mm -hmm. are both, like, you know, have a discussion, like, Our parents are lame. Like we, we want to do this. This is what we want. So then they like start messing by going around through time and just going wherever they want and just having like a ball. So they like go, you know, they go watch like the Beatles perform on the roof that one time or Woodstock, and it's kind of scary and gross at Woodstock. They like pictured it better, and uh, (laughs) they go on all these adventures and um, they see really cool things.
2: A very forest Gump vibe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Are you listening, Zemeckis? Zeme! Hey. So um, they go through and stuff. And so what they're not realizing is that they're leaving their imprint at different places. Like they'll leave, like one of their cell phones gets dropped in a weird time or something like that. So, um, you know, basically in the meantime, Doc comes in riding on like a carriage comes in back in time to see marty to get his help and that's what like you said which is weird with the comic a one-time time time machine so it explodes and then doc's like marty you you gotta help me Mm -hmm. learn has gone and then marty's like (laughs) i know i saw him i told him to go home and they're like oh oh so then um They have to figure out how to go back in time. Marty opens up the garage. He's got the pieces from the DeLorean that got hit by the train. They rebuild it. So then they're taking DeLorean, chasing their kids through time. So then the two subplots that are going on is Biff Jr. is also running for senator against Jennifer. And he wants to turn... um, Hill Valley into a big software industry data mining um campus okay
2: mm. yeah. that'd be really good for that town <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think you just got my vote once again biff misunderstood,
0: you know yeah. victim
2: well done biff junior
3: <laughs> manure won't carry that town
2: <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> yeah
1: anyway parallel i'm almost done
2: yeah so the
1: parallel that clara is 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 the marshal and and (laughs) i thought his name was tiff but it's mad dog so tiff is running against clara for town marshal at the same time in in the old west
0: oh tiff right yeah okay so
1: um yeah basically they come to find out like like Emmy and Vern have like left all these things throughout time that benefited all the biffs. So all the biffs of time are just doing great, and the world sucks. Nice. So they and Doc and Marty have to go back through and fix all of this and get the things before they drop them, before biff where from all the biffs. There's gonna be so many fun biffs um, get a hold of this. Uh-huh. And so they they bond together through this experience. And then at the end, you know, there's some heartfelt stuff. And, um...
2: <laughs> blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> you know, Doc's like, I understand your passions or whatever. And, you know, Marty's like, oh, you know, you can be an artist and we need to find a different way for you to learn or whatever. So then, um... It shows at the end, Vern's like in the old West, and he, he just walked, he will they they're in their old West house, and Vern walks in and they go, and they well, you hear like a you know, or whatever, like the train come in, and then they're like, How was school? And Vern's like, awesome. We've been working on some great things with the band, too, which reminds me, I have an idea. Cut to a saloon called Drown the Hound at Brown's, and then <laughs> With a f- doc.
0: Drown the hound? Yes, hound. Wait, what?
1: Isn't that a thing, drown the hound?
0: In that time it is. Oh, I never heard of that. What is that? Oh, I don't know. It means, what, get drunk?
1: Yeah, get drunk.
0: Get the dogs okay. drunk. You no, know, uh-huh. And so
1: then there's the apotheca- Jules Apothecary's next door, and then Doc's running the bar, and then Vern's playing music at, with his at the bar. And then... You have Clara Ryden, the marshal with a group of women as her gang.
2: She has wait. She's the marshal, and she has a gang.
1: Yeah, and then
2: well, they're her like deputies. Deputies.
1: Yeah. Okay. You know, like that right. very like that <laughs> like the principal rule following guy in the original. Like he had a gang. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, so then, yeah. a posse. So then, I believe yeah, they're called like a posse.
1: So then, uh, Marty is back to being producer and he is producing Vern's band and Emmy is the graphic designer for the label. Like all makes the album covers like, so basically Vern can like stay with them. And obviously Vern and Emmy have chemistry, right? So they have like a whole love situation. Oh, right. Yeah. Nice. Jennifer's the senator. And then it cuts to get this her shaking Mayor Goldie Wilson Junior Junior's hand.
0: Junior
2: Junior, the third <laughs> Goldie yeah, Wilson, the third. third.
1: <laughs> yeah, junior, or Junior Junior, yeah. And guess who it's played by? Yeah. Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams is the mayor. He's so he- old. <laughs> so, and. <laughs> <laughs> And he shakes hands. Goldie Wilson
2: Jr. Jr. was born in 1985, probably, right? Billy D. Williams can't play Goldie Wilson Jr. Jr.
0: Okay, fine. He's 90. I mean, he could be Goldie Wilson Jr. Yes,
2: Yes, he could be Goldie Wilson Jr. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not
3: too So... (laughs) Are we there yet?
1: So whoever it may be. Oh, there's more? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So then they like. No, shake hands, and she saves Hill Valley. And then, little note I have is that anytime that there's, like, a gang with Biff, the, the Foo Fighters play his thugs. Okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, so all right.
1: That, that's the end, and then it plays the Foo Fighters covering the power of love as
2: the credits. Oh. Thank you. All right. All right.
3: <laughs> wow, mine's not quite that long.
2: Excellent. I'm not gonna lie; I didn't prepare 45 minutes like Lauren did yeah. <laughs> at all.
0: I like the idea of the stinkiness <laughs> of Buford Tannen coming up in the debate with Clara, where she's like, "If you want to, you know, a representative who fell into a cart of manure, be my guest.
4: <laughs> him-
0: I will go, I'll, yeah. and I'll go quickly." All right, guys, uh, listen to some blues
3: riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay?
2: I didn't cast it with new people because mine has to pick up right after three and made at the time where all those actors are still the same age. Because they put – so my pitch is going to be called Back to the Future, Marty B. Good with a B and then a (laughs) G-O-O-G-E like the – like the song, uh-huh. because it always was a side in, or like a, a thorn in my side that he stole Johnny B. Good from mm. uh, from Chuck Berry, and so it's mm-hmm. like you know the guy picks up the phone and, you know it's your cousin, it's your cousin Marvin, right? And and he's mm-hmm. yelling to him, and he's like, you know that new sound here, it is in my head. Mm-hmm. It just can't be, it can't exist for Chuck Berry. Okay. okay. Also, Darth Vader can no longer exist for George Lucas because mm. he came to his father as Darth Vader. And now that mm-hmm. name is already out in the world and existing
0: before... In George's writing?
2: Yes. Okay. So, like, it already exists. So now Star Wars is completely different. Star Wars is a flop after one episode, after one, not one episode. Oh, <laughs> because of the because name. Because, wow, the, the name of Darth Vader has been so synonymous, you know, and then, you know, let's say that the new name is like uh, Lawrence uh, Walkington, right, or something, right? Uh-huh. And now it's like no right. one is scared of Lawrence Walkington. Everyone's afraid of Darth Vader. So, right. To kind of piggyback on what we liked about two, which we've already talked about, that seeing Marty back in time, seeing himself back in time, we're now going to add a third Marty McFly back in time to convince the other person not to play Johnny Be Good, because that then ruins all of rock and roll music.
0: Oh, and he's got to do this without himself seeing. Correct.
2: So he's wow. got to get the original Marty McFly that's out there playing Earth Angel. They've got to get him to mm-hmm. play something other than Johnny B. Good. So You know, we're, we're watching him try to figure that out. We're watching him give a different name other than Darth Vader. That
0: would almost be the harder one to change. The Darth Vader? Yeah. How does he get his past self to just sort of offhandedly think? You're right. Of and to
2: <laughs> not be Darth Vader? <laughs>
0: Na- right. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot
2: of holes in this plot line that I have. But <laughs>
0: well, but these are the juicy uh, it's the scenes things
2: that every time I watch it, it out. I think, ah, he just stole Johnny B. Good from him. Like now, you know, Chuck Berry, who wrote Johnny B. <laughs> well, Good. Well, Chuck Berry stole it back. Did he, was that at the time? Had Chuck already started writing Johnny B. Oh. Good and then he heard Johnny B. Good? someone else playing it does then that start a whole, you know, uh, Chuck Berry is on the lookout for Calvin Klein and has been trying to find him. So I want him to go back and just fix some of the things that were, were I I think set this, you know, um, would make history change completely.
0: That's an interesting take. That's essentially what star Wars did with rogue one. Which is create a whole movie to solve yes. that one plot hole. <laughs> so I right. and I that's do right. like if you're going to go back to Back to the Future, spending a lot of time in the old trilogy. Yes. Well, I like it. I mean, that's that's the whole pitch, right? Yeah,
2: Marty, be good.
0: Marty, be good. Nice. All right. Well, Robert, do you want to finish this out, or do you want to go yeah. next?
3: Uh, I'll go. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm ready with mine. I can go quick. Oh no 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 no! I never I never let anybody read my stories. So mine is called Back to the Future for Behind the Times. Oh, ooh.
2: okay.
3: It is now 2055. It's 2055. Doc and Clara's bodies—they've—they've they've died, but their personalities are still in this like life chat hologram. So we still get to see them oh. better than the Jaws 19 hologram. <laughs> 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 and uh, and so we've. At the, at this point, twenty fifty five. The Brown family is settled in, uh twenty thirty five. is kind of when they stopped. Their Jules and Vern. I went with them. Are kind of they're in their thirties, and they still kind of dabble in the time travel. They know it. They know how to do it and everything. Um, Jules is not as good as in the science department, and he's a little bit hardened by the, his experiences. He's a little. He's the older kid. He's a little more responsible, and uh, and Vern kind of still delights in it. He's very adept with the science. Uh, Goldie is the 85th president of the United (laughs) States. Uh, But Jules goes back. Jules decides he's going to go back to the 1950s to watch the US get involved with the Korean War. (laughs) But when he goes back, the time machine is destroyed and there's no way to get back until he realizes 1955, he can get back to a time machine unless someone comes to get him. So he ends up assuming someone's identity Uh, and so then we switch back to it's 2055 and Vern is hanging out with his friends and they're chatting about how wacky the 2020s (laughs) were when suddenly there's sort of a warp and the president is now Griff Tanner. Mm-hmm. And uh Vern's friends, though, are completely unaware, like the movie Yesterday and the Beatles. It's like, they they have no idea. But for some reason, Vern knows because he's sort of been, mm-hmm. I guess, gone all these time traveling.
0: Can, uh, can I ask, is Griff as, like, <laughs> crazily aggressive <laughs> as oh, He's probably mellowed a bit. Uh, okay. He's mellowed a bit. <laughs> <Okay>. mellowed <laughs> enough,
3: enough to get votes. Oh, okay. Uh, Got it. <laughs> actually probably, probably that didn't help but yeah. so uh so Vern's friends are completely unaware of what's going on so then Vern amazugles he uh like google, amazon and google merged. so he amazugles goldie and finds out he he has he has died sad and long oh so because now the timeline has changed so finds out that he hoped to be in politics but he was told in 1955 that a man from 2055 said there will never be a black mayor and never a black president. So he gave up. We find out that when he finds out who that, who that is, it ends up being Strickland, principal Strickland, but principal Strickland is actually Jules' new identity. Whoa. Jules has gone back into 1950. He gets stuck there. So he decides, well, I know this is going to happen in this high school. In the in fifty five, so he works his way into becoming principal there. Oh, so wow! So and, and sabotages things in the process. So Vern discovers that Jules has been causing all sorts of trouble, and then he starts to disappear. Well, at this point, <laughs> his Korean gender fluid lover, Pan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
3: good Perfect. yeah yeah you know because you gotta, you gotta bring the times and so okay so so verne's korean gender fluid lover pan played by jake choi who's the actor i amazoned to uh who was a gender fluid korean actor Excellent. so he's very familiar with the history of Vern, and he sees him starting to disappear so he goes back in time and he is able to take with him, he has this morphing technology device so that he can make himself look like anyone else. So he goes through and he thwarts Vern's plan because he ends up being the woman who hands Marty the Save the Clock Tower flyer. Yes.
1: Hey. He, ends up
3: making, he ends up being the terrorist driving the van who's constantly squirted. I <laughs> so can't shoot Marty because if you see him, the guy's like, What are you doing? You, yeah. <laughs> right. you make sure the manure trucks are in the right places, parked in the right spots. Mm-hmm. He is also the gambling guy in twenty fifteen who we were talking about early who gives Marty the idea of you know getting the almanac and he's also in the third one he's the barbed wire salesman played by Richard Dysart uh who who Doc talks, he, he talks <laughs> to Doc about, because it's, it's weird that he's just holding a piece of barbed wire. <laughs> like, You'll know, find a lady somewhere or whatever, and then he's also the mm-hmm. one that Clara overhears in the train and then she decides she's going to chase after him. Mm-hmm. So Once he gets all that done, he comes back to Vern and finds him fine. Goldie is president again. and Then they consider going back to get jewels. and they look at each other and they say, screw him. <laughs> Just kidding. He they go oh. back and they get him. <laughs> we wait till he's really old before they go get him. Wow! I have Billy Magnuson as Vern. So I don't know if you know who Billy Magnuson is. Vern. Nope. Aladdin. He was the blonde prince, and he was in. The, he was the prince in the other prince that wasn't Chris Pine.
0: Oh, in, uh, in Into Gainey the Woods. Night.
3: Yeah. So if you watch the movies now, you can imagine that there's somebody behind the scenes pretending to be. That's right.
0: Yeah, I like it. Well, I will start my pitch. I'm going to try to pull the Travis and do the trailer for the movie. But we'll see how this goes. I'm going to try to go fast. You're asking for it. And now you're going to get it. Just wanted to take a quick sec to let everybody know that the vocal accompaniments you're about to hear sprinkled throughout the following trailer were provided by Robin Ferris Hansen, marking his second time on the show covering an Alvin Silvestri score from a Robert Zemeckis film after our Forrest Gump episode. Now you might be asking, Paul, isn't this an unfair advantage for your pitch to have? Perhaps. Might just end up being a horrible distraction. But it's my party, and I'll try if I want to. Now, you're in a theater. The lights have dimmed. The following preview has been approved for all audiences. Pop, 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 Doc's Lab, 2015, night. The familiar place is swathed in darkness. There's dust all over everything. A door opens. A shadowy figure enters. Footsteps. He walks his way into the lab. We start to hear his over. My father was not a smart man. Flash 2, a man standing over the open casket of old man Biff Tannen. Back to the lab. The intruder is now flipping switches, turning knobs. Neither is my son. We we tilt up to finally see who this is. He turns around. It's Cliff Tannen, son of Biff, father of Griff, the one that we didn't see in the middle there. He smiles a smile. Guess I'm the apple that fell far from the tree. This means he's smart. Smart Tannen. Jump ahead to 2021, Hill Valley Recording Studio. Marty McFly is looking at a framed gold record of his young self and the pinheads with their album Too Darn Loud. Marty, you ever think that everything great you were ever going to do is behind you? Jump to him arguing with a other band member. Your problem is you never learned to share the spotlight, Marty. Well, it is kind of designed to only be on one person at a time. Jump to a fancy restaurant. Marty and Jennifer are having dinner. Jennifer, what more could you possibly want out of life, Marty? How about one last adventure? Transformers-esque music kicks in as a gaping hole opens in the sky above the McFly mansion. Jennifer and Marty look up to the sky. Jennifer, I blame you for this. Mm. Later, uh, in a hotel room, Marty and Jennifer talking to their kids. Marty, there's something I never told you kids. I'm a time traveler. We both are. Pulls his arm around Jennifer, Marty Jr. And I thought being in a band was hard to live up to. A A TV report plays on the TV. We take you live to the arrest of Dr. Emmett Brown. Marty, doc? Cut to prison visitation room. Doc, talking to him through the glass. Marty! I fear my family's adventuring through time is causing the collapse of the space-time continuum! We flash to a bunch of their adventures. Doc and his family watching the Apollo 11 launch. Doc and his family applauding for Shakespeare at Stratford-upon-Avon. Back to the visitation room. Marty. Well, the Titanic did crash into my house. We go back to that opening, gaping hole in the sky. The Titanic comes bounding through into Marty's house. Doc. Doc. That was your house? Perhaps something else is afoot. We flash to Cliff Tannen laughing maniacally. <laughs> cut to <laughs> Marty and Je- Jennifer standing outside of a fortified door. We hear Doc off screen. Find my sons. This fortified door opens in two different places and two sets of eyes look out. State your scientific purpose. Marty and Jennifer share a look. Then we cut to Marty and Jennifer prepared to jump out of a steampunk-modified-looking biplane piloted by Jules and Vern. They jump. Once the mini-flex capacitor wristbands they are wearing read 88 miles per hour, the sky surrounding them disappears, and they find themselves falling through a visualization of time. Doc, once you're outfitted with the proper equipment, you'll need to find what's been changed and fix it in each one of the timeline anomalies. English, Doc. The glowing things! They spot what looks like glowing tears in time. They aim themselves at it and go through. 1985, the McFly home. Marty and Jennifer hide in the bushes, looking at their happy family reunion at the end of Back to the Future Part 3. They watch Biff walk away from it towards his car, and they take special interest in it. We see them peeking in on Biff at his home later. Marty, I can't believe I'm saying this. Cut to Marty and Jennifer addressing Biff in his home. But I want you to come with us. Biff, where? Marty, try when? 1955, Hill Valley High School parking lot. Marty, Jennifer, and 1985 Biff sneak through the parking lot on the night of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Jennifer to Marty, that's you in the car with your mother? Marty, it was the 80s. Bringing in the announcer, Michael J. Fox. Title, 1977. Marty waits outside the front door of Doc's house. Doc opens it to reveal himself with thick white mustache and sideburns. Christopher Lloyd. Marty points to the mustache. So how long have you had that? Doc, aha, another success. He pulls the mustache off with ease and sticks it on the refrigerator like a magnet he walks over to a dry erase board that reads molecularly magnetized mustache at the top and writes name Marty under the category convinced jump to inside of a car Marty Jennifer and Biff are all staking out a situation somewhere Marty starts to get out of the car announcer Elizabeth Shue Marty you better stay here Elizabeth Shue grabs him by the lapel no I get to play the whole time Marty okay Mary Steinberg. Cut to Marty and Jennifer getting lectured by Clara in Doc's Old West lab. Clara, but don't interact with your other selves. It could be detrimental. Marty, I already know a lot of this stuff. Clara, well, forgive me for knowing much, much more than you. Jump to somewhere in 1985. Middle-aged Lorraine talks to middle-aged Biff bluntly. Leah Thompson. Lorraine, I could never have loved you. There was never anything I saw to love. Then we see 1985 Biff sitting in a car watching 1955 Biff accost Lorraine in that scene with the prom dress. And Thomas F. Wilson, we see 85 Biff grab 55 Biff off of her and, like, turn him around to punch him, and then upon seeing each other, they faint. Cut to Biff and Marty inside of the time machine. Biff's fiddling with knobs. Marty, what the hell are you doing? Biff, sorry, i never been in a time machine before. Marty, I wish that was how I remembered it. We flash around to different out-of-context shots. Jennifer on a hoverboard. Doc and Clara kissing. Marty putting his hand over the mouth of his younger self. 1955 Lorraine decking 1955 Biff. Marty petting and getting licked by Einstein. Clara, Jennifer, and Lorraine, driving the time train. And then finally, we go back to somewhere in Hill Valley. Marty and Jennifer uncover the DeLorean. Marty, man, am I glad to see this thing. Jump cut to, they're both inside. Marty starts it up and begins to drive, but the car immediately dies. Jennifer, they were never really well-made cars. Title, Back to the Future, The Tannen Paradox. And then last seen as futuristic lab at night. Marty, voiceover, we've beaten Biff and his family before, we'll beat him again. Marty holds his fist up, ready to fight something. A robot Biff stands up from the lab table, builds itself up taller and taller until it dwarfs Marty. What are you looking at, butt, butt, but, butt, but, butt, 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 Marty, you gotta be kidding me. Back
3: in time. That's amazing.
0: That was phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Hey, uh, Paul, you forgot one thing. Yeah, so with the list of the names, there should have been Billy D. Williams. (laughs) Hey, Doc (laughs) Brun. Hey, Doc Brun.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My God, that was great. All right, well, does anybody else have any unsung heroes from these movies? Hit it, Paul Jr. Unsung heroes! (laughs) People with smaller parts that really make it for you every time you see them.
2: Uh, I like that guy in into that uh, says he's got like the, the his eyes are a little crossed and he said I think he stole that guy's wallet. Do you remember him? Oh, After I think he his, took his wallet. I think he took yeah. his wallet. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked. I've always liked him. Like he is the man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so good.
1: The bartender that's like. If you're well, here, you're drinking
0: whiskey.
3: But then yeah. Doc can have a yeah. sarsaparilla. Yeah. Otherwise,
0: he <laughs> passes out cold. Yeah, I also like the uh, the guy who works in the diner in the 50s. The Give me a Pepsi free. You want a Pepsi, pal? You got to pay for it. That back and forth. Tab. Can't give you a tab unless you order something. And then he like, grabs a full cup of coffee from under the counter and puts it there. <laughs> I wanted to mention Marty's brother, Dave, who, I mean, both him and the sister are funny, but this time around watching it, he really tickled me. My favorite line of his is when at the end he's successful and he's going to work and Marty's like, I can't go. The car's wrecked. And he goes, wrecked? When the (laughs) hell did this happen? Nobody ever tells me anything. (laughs) I really like that delivery. Normally, this would be the time when we would be voting on pitches, but as I said, I'm going to leave it up to you, the listeners, if there are any of you out there who want to weigh in. On which of these pitches should have been the fourth chapter? Please let us know. Reach out on Instagram at the Follow Up Showdown or on Twitter at the Follow Up Pod. You will also be hearing Travis and Lauren's pitches on what will be a separate episode released at the same time as this one called The Follow Up Showdown Road Show, which will include their thoughts on the Back to the Future trilogy as well as some little road trip adventures while they're moving across America. So, Please weigh in. Let us know who you thought should have won. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for being here. Do you guys have any plugs that you'd like to give before we sign off?
3: We are Recipes for Ice uh, Improv Group, and that we are right now resuming the third Friday of each month. And uh, if you want to find out, we're on Facebook, Recipes
0: for Ice. I look forward to it every month. It's been an anchor to sanity for me in quarantine. I mean, that might be sound like a bit of an exaggeration, but it has been like a really nice thing to count on and to see people use the Zoom outlet for just so well. I think that you guys do a really good job. You you didn't let, that's the sign of a true pro. Threw some tomatoes at you, you just kept on yucking. Next follow-up showdown. The movie we are focusing on, the 1942 classic Casablanca. Our guest today is David John <laughs> yeah. Seltzer. He says something about, like, this is the start of a great friendship. Right. right. Was, yeah, like, the, very the out of character, start of a friendship. <laughs> One of the great movie lines of all time. <laughs>